السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد Respected listeners Alhamdulillah we are in our second day of this year's Ramadan Each year we hear verses of the Qur'an and their commentary as well as hadith and their commentary about the month of Ramadan. We already know many of its virtues as well as its laws. But just as a reminder, let us once again Listen to what Allah and His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam say about the month of Ramadan and its virtues. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says in Surah Al-Baqarah Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu kutiba alaykum al-siyamu kama kutiba alal ladheena min qablikum la'allakum tattaqoon O believers, fasting has been prescribed for you as it was prescribed for those who came before you. لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ Perhaps you may attain taqwa. This is the first verse which speaks about fasting in general. Not specifically about the month of Ramadan, but in general. Later, we learn that Allah has made this fast obligatory for the 29 or 30 days of Ramadan. Fasting is one of the pillars of Islam along with Salah, Zakah, Hajj, and of course the Shahadatain, the testimony of faith. Fasting during the month of Ramadan is one of the five pillars. Abdullah ibn Umar relates a hadith recorded by Imam Bukhari in his Sahih and by others. That the Prophet wasallam said, al-Islam ala khamsin. Shahadati Allah ilaha illallah wa anna muhammadar rasulullah wa iqami salati wa ita'i zakati wal hajji wa sawmi ramadhan That Islam is built on five things. The testimony that there is no God except Allah. And that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the messenger of Allah. The establishing of salah, the giving of zakah, the pilgrimage to the house of Allah. And finally, وَصَوْمِ Ramadan, the fasting of the 
month of Ramadan. Allah says, O believers, fasting has been ordained for you, prescribed for you, written for you, made obligatory on you, just as it was for those who came before you. What this verse tells us is that fasting is not new. It's not an innovation. It's not a burdensome thing specifically on this ummah. Rather, humanity has always fasted. And fasting for prolonged periods has always been part of faith and religious tradition. And we are merely continuing with a noble practice which has many benefits, primarily spiritual. Further, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Perhaps you may attain taqwa. What this verse tells us in categorical terms is the benefits and the wisdom of fasting. Why has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made fasting obligatory on us? Allah says, لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ Perhaps you may attain taqwa. Now, fasting has many benefits. Physical, mental, disciplinary. And these are well known, well documented, and in fact, continuing medical and scientific research proves again and again the immense benefits and wisdom of remaining hungry and going without food. It has medicinal benefits. When the body fasts, it actually begins to cure and repair itself. But apart from the physical benefits and the mental benefits, fasting, rather than dulling the mind, which we think, we think if we go without food and drink, it dulls the mind. I feel groggy, sleepy. This is mental and psychological. It's because, it's because of our dependence on caffeine. We are so accustomed to waking up to a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and then sipping tea and coffee throughout the day to keep us alert and awake that indeed, without coffee and tea, we undergo withdrawal symptoms. But the reality is that remaining hungry and thirsty and fasting, rather far from dulling the mind and making one groggy and sleepy, actually creates sharpness and alertness. It creates clarity in the mind. But apart from these physical and mental benefits, which are there, which are accrued by fasting, which are good, but which are ultimately secondary, this is not the primary purpose of fasting in Islam. Allah has not prescribed fasting for us so that we may accrue the physical or mental benefits. Though they are welcome, they are a bonus. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah has prescribed and written and ordained fasting for you with one purpose in mind. لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ Perhaps you may attain taqwa. Now we hear this word a lot, taqwa. Taqwa. What exactly is taqwa? We say the fear of Allah, which is true, but it's a partial meaning. Taqwa is very simple. Taqwa is the consciousness of Allah 
whereby a person then becomes cautious of Allah. Taqwa is the awareness of Allah, whereby one becomes wary of Allah. Taqwa comes from guarding. So taqwa means to guard, to protect. And it's also a noun referring to anything which guards or protects. A shield is a taqwa. A barrier is a taqwa. That's a taqwa, a noun. And it's also a verbal noun, meaning the process of protecting and guarding. So that this is taqwa. This is the meaning of taqwa. And what's the meaning of taqwa with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Allah says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu taqullaha haqqa tuqatih. O believers, observe taqwa in respect of Allah. As taqwa should be observed in respect of Allah. So what's the meaning of Taqwa in relation to Allah. It means guarding oneself, protecting oneself from the displeasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the only way a person can be wary of Allah, be cautious of Allah, which is the meaning of taqwa, is by being aware and conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Without consciousness of Allah, there can be no caution of Allah. Without awareness of Allah, there can be no wariness of Allah. So, what fasting does is bring the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the mind, heart, and soul of a person. It makes them conscious and aware of Allah all the time. And someone who is conscious and aware of Allah, just like in normal human behavior, if we are aware of someone watching us, then we are wary. If we are conscious of some, someone observing us, we are cautious in our behavior. Even infants, it's well known and documented that even infants, two to three years old, we may think they don't know much or understand much, but even infants, if they are conscious of someone, whether it's an adult or another child or a parent, watching them and observing them, Infants at the age of two have been known to modify and change their behavior in order to please or appease the observing individual. So if that's the case with infants and children, then as adults, we are extremely conscious of what people think of us, of how people see us. So if we are aware of a camera monitoring and recording our movements and behavior, we are well-behaved. If we are aware of someone watching us, then we modify and change our behavior accordingly. We do this all the time. So imagine how cautious, how wary, how well-behaved a person would be if they are able to develop that awareness of Allah and consciousness, consciousness of Allah and realization that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching me and observing me all the time. That's why Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to Jibreel alayhi salam when he came to him in a multitude and gathering of the Sahaba radiyallahu anhum in the famous incident recorded by, recorded by Imam Bukhari, Imam Muslim and others. And in the wording of Imam Muslim, Jibreel alayhi salam asked him about Islam and then Iman. And then the third question was, Mal Ihsan? What's Ihsan? 
So the Prophet said to him, أَن تَعْبُدَ اللَّهَ كَأَنَّكَ تَرَاهُ فَإِن لَمْ تَكُنْ تَرَاهُ فَإِنَّهُ يَرَاكُ That ihsan, Islam is simple. Islam is the external act of submission. Islam means submission. And that means when a person submits apparently. When we pray, when we fast, when we give zakah, when we perform the pilgrimage, when we abstain from halal and uh, abstain from haram and observe halal, all of these are external apparent acts of submission. They do not necessarily reflect inner belief and inner faith. That's a higher grade. And this is why the hypocrites, during the time of Rasulullah, they used to actually pray salah with jama'ah. So even the hypocrites during the time of the Messenger وسلم, would be present in congregational salah all the time. They would march with the Prophet وسلم, they would travel with him. They would observe the fast, apparently. They would pray salah, not just uh, individually, but in congregation in the Masjid of Rasulullah They would give their zakah. And these were the munafiqun. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala testifies to that. وَإِذَا قَامُوا إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ قَامُوا كُسَالًا يُرَاءُونَ النَّاسِ وَلَا يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهِ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا Allah says, when they do rise for prayer, then they do so indolently, in a lazy manner, merely showing the people, and they do not remember Allah, except very little. So even Allah testifies that the munafiqun, the hypocrites, would pray their salah, though they would do it half-heartedly, lazily, and indolently. But they would still perform their, still perform their salah, and even in congregation. So Islam is the mere apparent submission of faith. It does not necessarily reflect inner belief and inner, inner faith and iman. That was the second question. So Jibreel alayhi salam said to him, what's iman? He said, iman is that you believe in Allah and in the angels and in the final day and in the books and in the prophets. And that's not just a testimony of faith verbally, rather that is true inner belief whereby a person believes with heart and soul in Allah, in the final day, in the angels, in the books, in the prophets. And then as a third question, there's a progression. Arise from Islam, which is apparent submission, to Iman, which is inner faith. You can have Islam and have no Iman. But you can't have Iman and no Islam. And then the third question was, what's Ihsan? And to that, Rasulullah replied by saying, Ihsan is that أَن تَعْبُدَ اللَّهَ كَأَنَّكَ تَرَاهَ that you worship Allah, you serve Allah as though you see Him, which is the highest grade. And this is the station, this is the state of the Prophets of Allah. They lived every moment of their existence in a state of ihsan, as though not with the knowledge and the realization, the awareness and the conscience consciousness that Allah is watching us know they were observant and watchful of Allah they saw Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not with the 
physical sense of sight. That's not the meaning of the hadith. It means with the sight of one's heart, consciousness, awareness. And then the Prophet ﷺ said, the lower grade is, If you do not see him, then at least ihsan is the knowledge and the awareness and the consciousness that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is forever watchful and observant of you. So imagine how a person would be all the time, how well behaved, how well mannered, how proper, how prim, how upright, if they are constantly conscious that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is observing them and watching them, monitoring them and recording their deeds and their words. This is the rank of Ihsan and this is what Taqwa is about. Taqwa is similar to Ihsan and he has grades. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, fasting has been made obligatory for you, لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ Perhaps you may attain Taqwa. That's telling us that Allah has ordained fasting for us so that through remaining hungry and thirsty, we become aware and conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and develop such spirituality that we create and instill taqwa in ourselves, such taqwa that we are conscious and aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which will undoubtedly and inevitably make us wary and cautious and fearful of Allah Now, how does fasting actually achieve this? Just remaining hungry and thirsty? Well, just remaining hungry and thirsty will not do it. Rather, one has to fast with the correct intention, with the correct mindset, with the correct etiquette. And for the fast to be a shield, as the Prophet ﷺ describes it, one has to protect the shield itself and not damage it or rip it or tear it by sin, whether it's the sin of the flesh, which is actually quite easy to abstain from, but more difficult, more problematic, more lethal are the sins of the tongue, which a person is unable to refrain from. Sometimes even the state of fast. We are fasting and we are backbiting. We are fasting, we are lying. We are fasting. We are leveling false allegations. We are fasting and we are indulging in rumors and gossip. We are fasting and we are using foul language. If someone fasts in that state, then their shield is torn and ripped and teared. It's useless. If the fast has been damaged irreparably by the sins, whether they are of the flesh or the tongue or even of the mind, then the fast is damaged beyond repair. All that will happen is that one will fulfill the obligation of fasting but they will gain nothing from their fast except hunger and thirst. That's why Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal relates a hadith in his Musnad, and so does Ibn Majah. The Prophet said, That there is many a fasting person who gains nothing from their fast except hunger. Because, so, and in a hadith related by Imam Bukhari, 
Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Man lam yada'a qawla al-zuri wal-amala bih, falaysa lillahi hajatun fi an yada'a ta'amahu wa sharabah. If a person, whoever does not abandon and shun, and leave aside false speech and false deeds, which means sins. So whoever does not leave aside and shun and abandon false speech and false deeds, i.e. whilst fasting, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has no interest and no need of their remaining hungry and thirsty. At the end of the day, a person will gain nothing from their fast except hunger and thirst. So one has to abstain not just from food and drink, and that's the original meaning of siyam and sawm, abstention. But we don't just abstain from food and drink. We abstain from haram, food because it's haram. We abstain from drink because it's haram. We abstain from false speech because it's haram. We abstain from false deeds because they are haram. We abstain from... We ensure that we are fasting not just with the stomach and the throat and the parched mouth, but with the lips, with the eyes, with the tongue, with the hands, with the feet. We ensure that we don't walk towards anything that's haram. That's the siyam of the feet. We ensure that we don't touch anything that's haram. That's the siyam of the, fa- of the hands. We ensure that we don't listen to anything which is displeasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's a fast of the ears. We ensure that we don't glare, stare at, look at, ogle at anything which Allah, which displeases Allah. That's the fast of the eyes. And equally important, that we ensure that we don't part our lips and we don't wag our tongue and utter anything with our tongue which is displeasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the fast of the tongue. If someone doesn't observe the fast of the limbs, and the other faculties of the body and the senses, but observes a fast of the stomach and the throat by refraining from food and drink, then Allah and His Rasul have said, that fast is meaningless. All a person gains at the end of the day is hunger and thirst. They would have actually been better off not fasting and eating and drinking. So when a fast is proper, then it will create. It's done with the right intention, with the correct mindset, with the correct attitude and approach. And the fast is comprehensive of the entire body, even of the mind and the heart. Then that is a fast which will create taqwa in a person. This is why Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in a famous hadith related by Imam Bukhari and others, when he explains fasting, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, part of the hadith is Qudsi. Allah azza wa says, Kullu amal ibn Adam lahu illa as-siyama fa'innahu li wa ana adzibih. Allah says, every deed of man belongs to him, except fasting, for it is for me. And in one narration, he abandons his food and his drink and his desire for my sake. Fasting is for me. And I shall reward it. Then the Prophet ﷺ continues by saying, And fasting is a shield. That's taqwa. As I said earlier, taqwa is a process and it's also 
a thing. And anything which protects and guards a person is taqwa. A shield is a taqwa, a barrier is a taqwa. And so Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, وَالصِّيَامُ جُنَّةِ Siyam, fasting, is a shield. وَإِذَا كَانَ يَوْمُ الصَّوْمِ أَحَدِكُمْ فَلَا يَرْفُثْ وَلَا يَسْخَبْ فَإِنْ سَابَّهُ أَحَدٌ أَوْ قَاتَلَهُ فَلْيَقُلْ إِنِّي مِرُؤٌ صَائِمٌ وَالَّذِي نَفْسُ مُحَمِّدٍ بِيَدِهِ لَخُلُوفُ فَمِ الصَّائِمِ أَطْيَبُ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ مِنْ رِيحِ الْمِسِ وَإِذَا لَقِيَ رَبَّهُ فَرِحْ بِصَوْمِهِ أو كما قال صلى الله عليه وسلم رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم says fasting is a shield and so when one of you is fasting on any given day and then the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم tells us what to do he doesn't say imagine this is one of the longest and most famous hadith of fasting Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentions what Allah says about fasting. Then he mentions something himself. But when he explains fasting to the believers, he doesn't tell them fasting means you have to abstain from food and drink. No. How does he begin? He says fasting is a shield. So when one of you is fasting on any given day, what should he do? Abstain from food, refrain from drink, refrain from desire. No, he doesn't mention any of this. He says, the first thing he says, فَلَا يَرْفُثْ He should not speak in a vulgar, lewd, obscene, rude manner. That's the meaning of fasting. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam begins his instruction of fasting with the tongue. That if you are fasting, then the first thing you should do is فَلَا يَرْفُثْ You should not engage or indulge in رَفَثْ And رَفَثْ means lewdness, vulgarity, obscenity, rudeness. One should guard one's tongue and guard one's speech whilst fasting. Second thing, وَلَا يَسْخَبْ in fact, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, one shouldn't, eat, one shouldn't even raise one's voice. That's actually an etiquette of fasting. Because sakhab means din, clamor, shouting. So, فَلَا يَرْفُثْ وَلَا يَسْخَبْ One should not speak offensively, rudely, obscenely, in a vulgar manner. But that's sinful. But Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam shows us an etiquette, which is... That whilst fasting, one shouldn't even raise one's voice. The, the, this is part of the character of Islam. And that's part of the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-A'raf, الَّذِينَ يَتَّبِعُونَ الرَّسُولَ النَّبِيَّ الْأُمِّيَّ الَّذِي يَجِدُونَهُ مَكْتُوبًا عِنْدَهُمْ فِي التَّوْرَاتِ وَالْإِنْجِيلِ That the companions follow the unlettered messenger and prophet. Whom they find mentioned in the Torah and in the Injil, Allah testifies that the Prophet ﷺ has been mentioned and described in the former scriptures, in the Torah and in the Injil, in the Gospel and in the Torah. And Imam Bukhari and others relate from some of the Sahaba عنهم, what this description is in the previous scriptures. 
And what is that description in one hadith the Sahaba radiyallahu anhum say? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam has been described in the earlier scriptures of the Torah and in the Injil in the following words. لَيْسَ بِفَضٍ وَلَا غَلِيظٍ وَلَا سَخَّابٍ فِي الْأَسْوَاقِ That the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam is not harsh of tongue or hard of heart. Nor is he one to raise his voice in the markets. Why in the markets? Markets are a place of din, clamor, hustle, bustle, and the raising and elevation of voices. People often have to shout. The wearers, the, tra- the traders are shouting in order to promote and sell and advertise their wares. And to make oneself heard over that din and clamor, it's inevitable that in the marketplace one has to talk loudly. But even in the marketplace, the hadith says, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam was softly spoken and of a low voice even in the marketplace. So imagine how he must have been in the home and in the masjid. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam teaches us another etiquette whilst fasting. That whilst fasting, avoid even raising your voice. For that is a sunnah of the Messenger And then the third thing he says, If someone abuses him, or quarrels with him, fights with him, then what should he do in response? He should simply say, And in one narration of Bukhari itself, That he should say, I am fasting. I am fasting twice. So if someone provokes him, fasting is a real test. And if someone fails during the test of fasting, they will never gain the benefits of fasting. And so, whilst fasting, even in the face of provocation, even in the face of insults, even in the face of Physical altercation, one should desist from responding in kind. Someone abuses him, swear, if someone abuses one, swears at one, insults one, then one should exercise patience and forbearance and remind oneself that I am fasting. Again, part of the etiquette of fasting is that he shouldn't respond in kind. Rather, he should say twice, I am fasting, I am fasting. And what the ulama actually mean, and what they explain by this, is that the purpose is not to remind the other person. Rather, it's to remind oneself. Because if someone's abusive and insulting and quarrelsome and argumentative and even belligerent to the degree of physically provoking another individual, they are not in the right state of mind. Their mind is clouded by the redness of anger. Do you really think telling that person, I am fasting, is going to stop the bull in its tracks? No. It may even provoke them even further. Because when a person is gripped by anger, they are gripped by shaitan. Once Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa saw a person who was angry, 
So he said, he said to the Sahaba radiyallahu anhum, I know something which if that person said it, the anger would disappear from him. The anger would depart. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytanir rajeem. So the, one of the Sahaba radiyallahu anhum went to him and said, if you said, A'udhu bil- if you said, A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytanir rajeem, your anger would disappear. So what was his reply? He said, do you think I have a shaytan with me? That's the response of anger. When a person's angry, in fact, he, he rejected the advice of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Because that's what anger does. Anger, the redness of anger, clouds a person's mind. And it disables their thinking. It cripples them. Their machinery is crippled. It's damaged. It's stalled. It's gone haywire, literally haywire. One should never expect to be able to speak sense to that person during their state of anger and cloudness. So the words, I am fasting, aren't meant so much for the belligerent individual who is provoking you and insulting you. Rather, they are meant for you. And you should remind oneself, I am fasting. I am fasting. And thereby, one, enable oneself to be patient and tolerant and forbearant and walk away. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enable us to understand the words of Allah and his Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. May Allah make our fasts fasts, protect our limbs, our organs, our minds, our hearts, our tongues from the disobedience of Allah. May Allah make our fast a complete and comprehensive one and such a fast that it develops that consciousness and awareness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, thereby creating تقوى إنز وصلى الله وسلم على عبده ورسول نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك